Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. I'll bring Bruce on down. Thank you, sir. And he has the message for us today. All right. Thank you, Alan. And hopefully I won't need it. I'm, I hate to be such a whiny baby, but yeah, in case I do. Um, I was really sick earlier this week, which, hey, that just happens sometimes. But it turns out getting older is as much fun as they say, because like normally you can just bounce back and I'm like, I can muscle my way through it. And today I really am like, I can't muscle my way through it. So thank you, Ryan, so much for jumping in there and... Uh, I, had, I was scheduled for the message, so I said, well, I can't bail on the guys the last minute. You know, we're just ordinary people. We have jobs and all that. But then I was like, I, I just want to pump you guys up a little bit. You're really not ordinary. You're really all extraordinary. I mean, if you think about what we're doing here, it, it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, sort of the middle of nowhere, Verona, Virginia. Some, for some reason, God's doing something. And, and I really don't think it's an accident that we're here as individuals as a group, and uh, so yeah, we're ordinary people, but really God is calling us to do extraordinary things in the kingdom, and I'm so grateful that, that he called us, and that we get to do it together, and that uh, uh, it's really cool, so uh, it's good to not be, you know, the Superman all the time, and do it all yourself, um, no one's ever accused me of that, though, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about Shavuot, what I'd love to do is say, you know, Sandra covered it quite nicely, Let's eat, but because uh, she did. <laughs> but uh, so it'll just be sort of some review, and and who knows where we'll end up. But uh, so again, Chavot marks the day when the Father gave His Word, uh, His Torah at Mount Sinai. Uh, it also marks the day that His Holy Spirit was poured out on Yeshua's disciples. Uh, we've already talked about it. It's one of the three required pilgrimage feasts to you know where the men at least were supposed to go to Jerusalem. Uh, you know, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So if you, uh, looking in your complete Jewish study Bible, it has a nice breakdown. Uh, of, and it breaks Shavuot down into sort of four basic categories. Uh, you, you sort of have your historic background, what's happened in the past, uh, looking towards the future, the prophetic fulfillment, uh, the traditional observance, and then also the New Testament observance. So uh, I think I have a scripture here. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. I have that effect on kids. Uh, yeah, Andrew, you're bad, Andrew. <laughs> uh, Leviticus 23, 15 and 17. Uh, just a review. From, that, from the day after the day of rest, that is from the day you bring the sheath for waving, you are to count seven full weeks, and here we are. Until the day after the seventh week, you are to count 50 days, and then you are to present, present a new grain offering to Adonai. Um, the commentary in the uh, study Bible uh, it says, On the holy day called Yom HaBikarim, day of the first fruits, the first fruits of the barley were brought in and waved before the Lord. Fifty days later, the, latter, or the later first fruits, which would be the wheat harvest, were offered to the Lord on another holy day, which is known by two names. Uh, Jewish people know it as Shavuot, which means weeks, 
because it occurs seven weeks after Passover or Pesach. Uh, the Greek-speaking Jews and many Christians, of course, would call this Pentecost. And I know this is a review for everyone, but I need it anyway. And we're all at different places. So Pentecost, which means 50th, uh, because it occurs 50 days after the barley harvest. So we had the barley harvest first, then you now would have the wheat harvest 50 days later. Uh, it says, Shavuot is designated as a time of thanksgiving for the early harvest. God's faithfulness, providing the early wheat harvest, increases faith for, the, for an abundant fall harvest at Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, giving thanks for present provision leads to faith for future fruit. And I thought that was a great thing. Uh, I've never been one to journal. I probably should be. We probably all should be. But what I think is neat about that is it, is it reviews what, what has the Lord done for you. And like, okay, what I'm, what's my review for this week? I'm sick as a dog. I'm miserable. I'm whiny. I'm a big baby. But hopefully next week, just having a glass of water and eating a regular meal and getting a reasonable night's sleep and like breathing and stuff, like that's going to feel so good, right? It really is. And so... So it's good to review, like, look how faithful God is. And, and even when we go through hard times, yes, he's faithful to get us through that. And then let's remember, hey, he, he's giving us a reprieve now, right? The, the road's a little less rocky at the moment. And it doesn't mean that it won't get rocky again. But let's give thanks in the times, you know, well, all times. But the, the hard times, knowing that God is faithful to take us through it. And he has a purpose for it, but also in the easier times and, and not to sort of, I'm preaching to myself, immediately forget about the goodness of God and say, ah, how great I art. No, it's how great he is, right? So let's, let's appreciate the, the simple things in life and the good things that he does for us. So moving on, uh, you have sort of the next section, prophetic fulfillment of Shavuot. Uh, you know, the father speaking about Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. I think I have a slide for Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my laws and respect my rulings and obey them. Ezekiel's talking about a promise that there will be a latter-day messianic, uh, messianic revival. Uh, increasing numbers of Jewish people will believe in Yeshua until the final day when Romans 11 comes to pass. Uh, Romans eleven twenty six, and that is, and that it is in this way that all Israel will be saved, as the Tanakh says. Out of Zion will come the Redeemer, and He will turn away ungodliness from Yaakov. So even now, there really is an explosive growth in in the Messianic Jewish movement uh, that testifies to it. And uh, I rattle these numbers off all the time, but you know, nineteen. 48, 23 believing uh, uh, Jewish people in Israel. In other words, they were Jewish and they believe in Yeshua. Uh, and it's slowly, slowly, slowly grown to now there's a, at least a known, right? They just know that they know there's 30,000 Jewish believers in Yeshua that live in Israel. They're not just visiting. They're not hanging out for a couple weeks for a vacation. No, they're there. Um, over 300 congregations. So, um, and then you look at places like Verona, Virginia. Um, sure, there's lots of Gentiles here. I'm one of them. 
But God is, is calling us into this faith. Um, I don't really like abuse and turmoil that much, really. Um, it's not an easy faith to walk, right? It causes a lot of problems in your life in, in some ways, if you just look at it in the natural, right? You're, you're cutting against the grain of, of everything and everyone around you, and yet here we are still walking out the Messianic faith. And it's not an accident. It's not because we uh, are self-loathing and dislike people to be mad at us, families and things like that. It's because God's called us to it. So I don't want to puff us up too much and make us feel like we're too special, but it's kind of special. So, um, so it's not just a, you know, a fad. It's not just something because, oh, it's cool, it's different. I was bored with this congregation or that congregation. I mean, there's an element of that. But generally, people that are just doing it for the fad, the fun, kind of drift away pretty quickly. So uh, anyway, there is a prophetic fulfillment tied to Shavuot. Uh, traditional Jewish observance. So traditionally, uh, the story of Ruth is, is read at Shavuot. Uh, if you think about the story of Ruth, uh, a lot of it revolves around the harvest, right? There's other neat stuff there, there too, but in the, the walking out of Ruth, there was, uh, it had to do with the harvest. Uh, Ruth 3.15. He also said, bring the shawl you are wearing and take hold of it. She held it while he put six measures of barley into it, and then he went into the city. So, again, traditional Jewish observance of Shavuot, it's evolved some uh, from the biblical times, uh, which centered not only on the waving of the two loaves of bread as an offering, but also all the other animal sacrifices. Uh, it is interesting to me, and, and I probably should have done more research, that as far as I know, that these two loaves that are waved are the only leavened bread that are that are waved. So uh, I'm not, in, you know, we think of leaven representing sin, and I don't think God was wanting them to wave sin, but it does make me think about me anyway, that, you know, um, it, it's, we, we often are imperfect sacrifices in the sense that there might be a little bit of leaven in us. And, um, uh, but God helps us with that, right? It's not that we should just carry a little bit with us knowingly, but even unknowingly, we, you know, we just know that we're not quite there. We're not perfect. Uh, we're still tainted by original sin. Um, but Shavuot does remind us that, you know, there's a need for atonement. And, you know, uh, our best efforts, yeah, they can be imperfect offerings. Um, but anyway, it just makes me more grateful that Yeshua uh, can help us to dare even approach the Father, that his blood is the final covering for us. Uh, moving to New Testament observance, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. The festival of Shavuot arrived, and the believers all gathered together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from the sky like the roar of a violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw that what looked like tongues of fire, which separated and came to rest on each of them, they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So, at Mount Sinai, uh, the Father gave his instructions to uh, not just an individual, right, but the whole nation. Uh, and if you kind of look back through before uh, Sinai, I'm not saying God didn't speak to lots of people, but what we can read and see, it sort of highlights just 
an individual here, an individual there, um, uh, not uh, a whole nation at once. Um, so that Torah uh, that was given at Sinai, it was revealed to the entire world, ultimately, through God's chosen people, Israel. So the whole, again, the Holy Spirit, you think back through the Bible, it, it does seem sporadic. Um, but the book of Acts, that's stage for a, uh, a major encounter with the Spirit. Again, the festival of Shavuot arrived and all the believers gathered together in one place. So at Shavuot, uh, there were about 120 believers in Yeshua. They'd gathered in Jerusalem uh, just to help visualize. That included uh, Miriam, Yeshua's mother, uh, some other women, and also Yeshua's brothers. And what did they do? Remember, Yeshua had ascended about day 40 with the counting of the Omer. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Well, before this faith, I thought, oh, he just said go to Jerusalem. He didn't realize that they were obligated to be in Jerusalem because it was one of the three pilgrimage festivals. Um, so what do you do for 10 days while you wait around for something to happen? You don't know what's going to happen. They devoted themselves to single-minded prayer, not knowing what, what was to come next. Uh, only thing, the only thing they knew is Yeshua told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And we know this story. The rushing wind uh, filled the house, tongues of fire resting on each person and speaking in tongues. Uh, and, but what we don't see is everyone glorying in the goosebumps, right? They're not saying, well, what a, this is amazing. I'm sure they were feeling it. But, uh, but the first thing that we read about is that we see Peter and the disciples, they quiet the crowd down at, that everyone came over to see what's going on. And it's, they immediately began to preach the gospel, right? So it wasn't about, whoo, it just feels so good, you know. Uh, let's, just, let's just camp in here because I want to stick around with this feeling, right? No, there, the purpose was for them to then go out and preach the gospel immediately. Anyone remember how many people were saved right then and there? You probably do. 3,000, yeah. That's a lot of people. They must have not been whispering for 3,000 people to hear it. <laughs> And uh, they, 3,000 people believed and they were immersed. And day after day, the Lord kept adding to them those who were being saved. Uh, and again, I'm preaching to the choir. Those 3,000 weren't 3,000 Gentiles. Those were 3,000 uh, Jews. So um, we, in Christian culture, that's forgotten. That's sort of glazed over. Uh, so... Getting close to the end here, um, talking about those goosebumps, you know, the same could be true of uh, the story, of the study of Torah, which is very important. It's a very good and important thing to do, uh, but we can allow the study of Torah and, and sort of the accumulation of knowledge to stroke our ego and kind of get us a little bit puffed up on a one-to-one, -one, you know, on an individual basis. And the same, you know, with the Ruach, uh, we can fall into the trap of seeking after the Spirit just for that emotional high. Because, hey, it feels good, right? It feels amazing when you feel the Spirit wash over you. I mean, there's nothing better. Um, but the goosebumps really aren't the point, right? The study of the Torah is not just so you can sort of, hey, I'm really, I'm something. Uh, 
they were both, both given and not to sort of be hidden under a basket and sort of for self-consumption. I mean, yes, it's encouraging to us, but it's meant to be shared with people. Um, so, for some reason, this, this scripture uh, came to mind or uh, made me think about it. Psalm 67, uh, verses, yeah, this is in the complete Jewish, so it's going to read a little different. But, God, be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine towards, towards us. And I put in my own notes, why? Why is God going to be gracious to us and bless us? Why is he going to make his face shine upon us? Why well, he loves us is true. But the next verse says, so that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. So let, let's study Torah. Let's get the, the goosebumps. But then let's, not just hold it to ourselves, but uh, share it with our neighbors, encourage each other, uh, and as God gives you opportunities in the community, share it with them as well. Uh, don't be a Torah terrorist, as some people say. Don't, don't hit them over the head over it either, though. So, in our enthusiasm. So, Shavuot is an encouraging time. It testifies to, the God, to God's faithfulness. It testifies to his power, his mercy, not only in the past, also right now, and it looks to the future as well. So, um, so it's not just about keeping the times. God tells us to keep his appointed times. Uh, but again, there's a prophetic looking forward uh, element of it. And uh, ultimately, its purpose is to bless the world. Um, and we have a role in, in helping with that. So anyway, Shavuot um, is one of the earlier harvests. Um, Pesach, you know, the, where you have the unleavened bread, then you have uh, the barley, you have the, uh, the wheat harvest. Well, there's more harvest to come, right? It wasn't just barley and wheat. You have uh, 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 Rosh Hashanah coming, you have Yom Kippur coming, you have Sukkot coming. And again, there's a prophetic element to every one of God's appointed times. So I know we have some inklings about what those times might be, but we also have things to look forward to, like what's God's not done yet, right? He's got things he's going to be doing. And uh, every time we participate in one of his feasts, it's a reminder of his faithfulness in the past, and he's got more good stuff in store for us. And with that, I'll say Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for joining us for the Beit Zayit Messages podcast. This podcast is an extension of Beit Zayit Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review, along with a five-star rating, or give us a thumbs up, wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, Check out our website at BaitsIE.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.